0: Hello, Roy. Here I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to the Roy Green Show ad free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. The Beauties—it's a Beauties and the Beast start to a Sunday because I was here as soon as we have Catherine Swift, Linda Lavindeau, and Michelle Simpson on the program. I always hear when are you going to have them on next? So here they are: Catherine Swift, Working Canadians at Working CDN S on Twitter. How are you, Catherine?
1: I'm very well, Roy, and you.
0: I'm great because I'm with you three. I'm (laughs) with the beauties. How could I possibly not be in a great frame of mind?
2: Smooth talker.
0: Do my best. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Michelle Simpson. Hello. Former Liberal Member of Parliament and parliamentary seatmate to another smooth talker known as Justin Trudeau. How smooth the talker was he?
2: Well... He's always because he was a drama teacher. He's very dramatic and breathy. I don't know if you notice that or the audience does. (gasps) You can hear him inhaling. I can, yes. You know, if you weren't sitting beside him, you'd swear it was like a, you know, one of those obscene phone calls.
0: (gasps) So so this (laughs) is actually it uh, is Michelle. (laughs) You're right. This is from his former seatmate in Parliament. (laughs) The Honorable Michelle Simpson, very honorable, because Michelle was honorable with the people who represented her and everybody in this country, by providing Canada online with all her expense spending, which did not go over well with the party, as you've heard on the show, and she was denied all speaking privileges in Parliament. Linda Leatherdale, former money editor for the Toronto Sun, vice president of Cambria, Canada, independent financial writer. How are you going to top Michelle, Linda? How am I
3: going to top Michelle with that last comment? Oh, my goodness. How about I'll just say, Roy, it is such a pleasure to be on your show again, and the beauties absolutely adore you.
0: Well handled. Well (laughs) stick-handled, just like the Montreal Canadiens last night. Yes. Just like my Habs last night. (laughs) Yes, sir. Two overtime wins, and they're going to do it again tomorrow. So thank you for coming on. We have a number of issues that we want to talk to you about, but what I'd like to start with and I'm going to start with this because it's it's this was a new story sort of um, a combination of events. Last night and the Habs Leafs game, there were 2,500 fans at the Bell Center in Montreal, and it was great to see fans at a sporting event, at a Stanley Cup playoff game. Just great, 2,500. Today it's the Indy 500 in the United States in Indianapolis, and 135,000 fans will be in attendance. The Americans have delivered 366,314,625 doses of vaccine. They've administered almost rounded off to 294 million, and they have, rounding it down, 134 million who are fully vaccinated. So they are, they're doing extremely well. We're doing better, but they're doing extremely well. So I'd like your thoughts, and Michelle, let me start with you. Your thoughts on how the vaccine rollout has gone. there have been um, it's been very slow from Ottawa. It's taken months to get to where we are now, but there have been accusations and counter-accusations between the federal government and provinces. How do you see what's how this has all developed?
2: Well, that's my major complaint, I would say, is that playing the blame game. And I, I feel like I'm a pawn in them arguing back and forth. I, I totally understand that nobody's gone through this, and it is a learning curve. But it certainly... Um, has left a lot to be desired in terms of the rollout and in terms of the messaging, the mixed messaging. And as recently as hearing about, oh, they've extended the expiry date on the AstraZeneca, like at the 11th hour. And I, I, I'm sorry, I just don't, I don't follow that at all.
0: You know, uh, Linda, I, I spoke with uh, Dr. Isaac Bogash yesterday, who's on the Ontario vaccine rollout uh, yes. task force and is uh, infectious diseases specialist at uh, Toronto General Hospital and professor at the University of Toronto uh, Department of Medicine. I asked him about that, and I said, how do you do that? I I know Health Canada has said it's okay to do this, but how do you change the expiry date? How do you say, okay, we'll just extend it a month? It sounded to me, and maybe to other people in this country as well, it sounded like what they did with the initial rollout of the mRNA vaccine, so yeah, you get you're going to get vaccination number one three weeks later. According to Pfizer, you're supposed to get the second one, but they pushed it out 16 weeks because the numbers of vaccines in the country were so low. It started to sound like that to me, uh, Linda. You?
3: have absolutely and I think the scary part about all this mis-messaging is we do have people in this country and probably around the world who are afraid to get vaccinated they don't trust well when we have this miscommunication going on it, it just adds fuel to the fire and you're right the United States has done a great job in getting people vaccinated lord knows Roy I don't want to wait till July for my second Pfizer one I'd like to get it tomorrow um I look around the world and you know I agree that we could have a fourth wave and it could be a variant and we are seen in India and Brazil and other places like we are so lucky that we're here in Canada but let's just do it right and quit messing with us because everybody needs to get vaccinated
0: all right so um uh, yes, Catherine Swift, what about you? Have you been vaccinated? Have you, have you had your first one, second one? Or had, are you going yes, to? Yes,
1: I've had my first jab, and it was AstraZeneca. I was I was unusually compliant with orders I was given by government. You? As you know, that's not something I normally <laughs> do, is obey orders very well. Catherine Swift. But... Uh, I was told, get the first one you're offered, and the first one I was offered was AstraZeneca. And so I went and I got it. and that was now it was April eighth, so that was now uh, almost uh, two months ago. And yeah, that, uh, up until recently, I wanted a second jab of AstraZeneca because everything I'd read, and I've read a lot, like most people have, I thought, well, to me, it sounds like a lot of the original concerns weren't there. The second dose, you're supposed to not have even less side effects than the, than the first one and so on and so forth. So now I'm wondering, because, yeah, how can you extend this? And Michelle alluded to it, too. We're facing a lot of unknowns. And so you do have to cut our decision makers some slack. But from everything I've seen, you know, the, fa- the facts that we do know that we can count on, we had a federal government that depended on China that went south very fast. Uh, then they scrambled to get um, arrangements with other vaccine providers. So as a, we started out about three months behind compared yeah. to other countries yeah. that were more on the ball that had governments that well, were smarter than ours.
0: Well, Karen Hogan, the uh, Auditor General, made it very clear with PPEs last year. A uh, report came out a couple of days ago. She was on the program yesterday that they weren't nearly ready. Play that clip for me.
2: Well, I guess if I was to summarize that, I would tell you that the National Emergency Strategic Stockpile, which contains items like gloves and masks, uh, was not ready to support the response to a pandemic.
0: So there's the uh, the Auditor General for Canada saying that uh, last, when the pandemic was declared, uh, PHAC wasn't nearly ready for what they should have uh, been ready for, clearly because the reports were issued in 2003 after SARS. But you've all three been vaccinated You feel good about it, right? Yes, no?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. We're halfway there.
0: But Jason Kenny also told us. Can you get that clip for me? Jason Kenny told us that uh, the province of Alberta had uh, a lot of PPE and uh, they were all ready, and they offered uh, supplies to Ottawa. And uh, here's what Mr. Kenny said to me: Personal protective equipment. We offered to to basically be a conduit for the rest of the country because we've got long-term, deep relationships with global suppliers and quite diversified supply chains. So they're trying to get in there with the rest of the world to, to, to order supplies when they don't have the infrastructure we do. But but whatever, I guess that's the federal government's choice. So they said, no, thank you. Potentially, yeah. All right. So there's Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, in I think it was April of last year, 2020, talking about how the province was ready to help the federal government. And the federal government said, no, thank you. All right, Catherine Swift. What do you make of uh, of, of what we found out about uh, from the Auditor General about the lack of readiness for PPE you know, at the federal and at the provincial level, but particularly at the federal level? And I have to remind people, you remember the Conservative Party. Not that that in- impacts on what you're going to tell us. <laughs>
1: Well, my orient, my political orientation is uh, is is probably consistent, even though I've often voted liberal in my past as well. But I look for pragmatism, you know, things that are good for the average citizen. And uh, I remember well the beginning of the pandemic, being told, "Well, we had SARS, so we're really well prepared because Canada dealt with that." But, of course, we know that is not true. In fact, we were all being called racist back then if we questioned what China was doing. That's how silly and political the federal government was being. But I think, too, that an important item that I don't think has come out enough, and and by the way, the Auditor General, this isn't the first report she's done on on how Canada coped with the pandemic. No, she did one in March. She
0: did one in March as well.
1: Yeah, exactly, and and it's been negative. So this is a bit of a continuum, we're seeing how they drop the ball. But one thing I'd like to see more attention paid to, we like to criticize politicians and we're often very justified in doing that, but what about our so-called professional public service? We have people in the government in Ottawa, to some extent provinces, but national something like a national pandemic, that is in the ballpark of the federal government. And we have people being paid a lot of money every single day for right. years and years, decades and decades, their number one job is to prepare for this. And they were they dropped the ball all over the place. It was terrible. It and was. you know, we, we have a, a public service that is complacent, overpaid, uh lazy in many instances, I would say, and incompetent. And I hope that gets addressed at some point when we're out of this pandemic as to how to fix that problem right across the board
0: all right so now let's get to the other issue that because we have about three and a half minutes here the other issue that people are talking about across the country some places more than others depending on what's happening with their kids and sending kids to school is concerned what about children being in the classroom we have Canadian pediatricians saying they belong in the classroom, telling Doug Ford they belong in the classroom. We we hear this time and again. Infectious diseases specialist Dr. Martha Fulford on this program yesterday saying the same thing. Um, Michelle, let me, uh, let me start with you. What, where should kids be?
2: I believe they should be back in the classroom. I honestly do, and I think I'm, I, I will admit I'm highly critical of Ford, uh, particularly on this issue. You know, he drives by a a playground that's got a lot of kids in it and immediately moves to lockdown playgrounds just based on what he sees. Mm -hmm. Now he's going so far the other way, you're never going to get consensus amongst any experts in any field. It just isn't going to happen. So I think he's ragging the puck, Roy, Roy. And uh, I think our kids are paying the price.
3: Linda. Well, you know what? (laughs) I'm sure you've all heard some of the rumblings, but you're hearing the teachers claiming that Ford's vision for the future is kids all online, which come on, guys, for mental health and other reasons, people love to be with people. So I agree with Michelle. We got to get them back into the classroom. But I just want to add, we got to make sure it's safe. These variants that are coming up, and I hope don't attack us, are attacking younger people, and it is more contagious. So I think we've got a big job to do and a responsibility, but I agree. Getting them back into the classroom, back into a routine is is is, is great for our kids.
0: Uh, Catherine, without leadership, people are going to look for consensus, and on a situation like this, you have to have leadership. Yes, you can have advisors, but somebody has to get out in front and make decisions, No.
1: Oh, definitely. And I absolutely agree. The kids should be in the classes. Uh, I think uh, a pox on all their houses, you know, the politicians. You're not going to get perfect consensus, but even the medical profession is all over the map on this. You know, you talk to one doctor, you get one opinion, you get ta- 180 degrees, another doctor's opinion. So, you know, if only the medical profession too could get together and say, well, given that there's uncertainties, We feel, you know, this is the right way to go. And yes, kids in class. The unions are the same, of course. The unions have not done one constructive thing. They get a ton of taxpayer dollars. Those union heads are paid as well as any corporate leader. And they can never take a constructive view. They are always obstructionist. And they're using the pandemic as a means to get ultimate goals for them, uh, such as fewer, uh, a smaller class size, which, of course, just puts more money in union pockets. So, you know, like I say none of them in my view are be- doing the right thing for kids or families or average citizens
0: okay beauties thank you so much for starting us off today on this almost the last day of may and i know you're all leafs fans so go Habs, go,
2: go, let's go.
0: <laughs> if you want to hear more subscribe to the roy green show on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you find your favorites